If you guys have been here since Louie, that you you know we are super passionate about the postpartum season and having that season go smoothly and not having it be this big downtime in your marriage or in your life because at least in Elisha's in my life, postpartum has happened quite frequently. And it's a season that we want to have be a positive experience for our kids, for us, and I think our first postpartum really took both of us off guard, just how hard it was on our marriage. And so tonight we're going to be talking about how we're planning together for this season. I think a lot of people talk about how the woman can plan for postpartum, and that's primarily focused on her healing and her swinging emotions, but that really affects your spouse too. So anyways, we're going to dig into this and yeah, hopefully, hopefully this postpartum goes well. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. Katie, we're one day away from being 37 weeks with this pregnancy. How are you feeling? You know, I I would have had a very different response for you like five hours ago. Yeah, like two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. So I started really feeling excited because our babies have come pretty early term. So mm-hmm. between 37 and 38 weeks. So getting here is an accomplishment and a milestone and you can kind of let down now. Yes. Yeah. We've always been worried about the baby coming too soon. It seems like you've gone into, you, you've felt contractions early on and sure enough, I guess Louis came at 37 weeks, weeks like right on, mm-hmm. right at 37 weeks. And Lucy and Louis, Leon came, I think right before 38 weeks. So, yeah, we we trend early. Yeah, so that's kind of been our experience, which is fun in that you don't have to, you know, keep going that extra mile. But it also is a little sketchy because we like to have home births, and you can't deliver legally a home birth in any state we've lived in before, before. For 37 weeks. That's right. So that's why that number is so important to us. We, Elisha and I were laughing in the car the other day that we're in a rush to make it to 37 weeks. And then after that, it's like, oh, okay, now we can just relax. So anyways, I would say I'm just really excited to be making it here. But tonight we had a midwife appointment and a lot of change happened and we're still trying to wrap our minds around it. Yeah, I mean, this happened real recently because your last midwife appointment was only a few days ago and the baby appeared to be in great position and everything seemed good. And uh, I mean, baby's still really healthy. The heartbeat's really great, which is a huge blessing, but it's done a 180 on us, literally. (laughs) I know. Baby's been head down since 27 weeks. And in the last four days, bad timing, kid, it flipped. So its head is now up 
and it is technically breach mm. meaning if i had a it went into labor right now its bottom would be coming out yeah, first charging instead of the away. head right yeah so we don't really know what what all that means for us this pregnancy yeah that's a it's kind of a game changer with natural births like home births mm-hmm. and again it's a midwife to midwife scenario as to whether or not they even attempt to deliver these at home and our midwives do not it well, sounds like yeah well i was thinking on the way home i don't know yeah We'll need to ask tomorrow. We're we're gonna know more tomorrow because mm-hmm. we're gonna get an appointment, hopefully, to go in and try to get this baby manually flipped, mm-hmm. like yeah. two people working on it and flip it from the outside, so I can just deliver naturally at home. Yep. We're hoping that works. Yes, that would be a huge blessing. If baby stays breech, then yeah, we have to figure out, okay, what's our midwives policy on this? Mm-hmm. And then... What do we feel is the best thing to do for us? And yeah. Yeah. Do we just schedule a C-section? Do we try to do it breech in the hospital? Right. Uh, you know, we just... And Elisha and I haven't looked into any any done any research on this all this is so new because again we just thought baby was in perfect position right yeah we the midwife appointment was at 5 30 p.m we got this news came home ate dinner put the kids to bed and then just pressed record on the podcast and so we haven't had an opportunity to to do our own research and to seek counsel um, on what we feel is best for us yeah so anyways we'll see i mean the good thing is baby's healthy and the lord totally knew this is all gonna happen he's in control i do feel a total peace about Mm -hmm. whatever happens it's a blessing we have modern medicine Mm -hmm. available and so i'm not like scared but i am bummed out yes we definitely have our preference and right now our preference just took a shot on its likelihood you know like the likelihood is seems a little bit less now since this new new discovery yeah so anyways we're going through actually or tonight we are going through our books that we wrote called after the baby there's one for him and one for her and elisha wrote the after the baby for him book and i clearly wrote the one for her and first of all they're kind of fun to read through yeah (laughs) for us because we wrote them but there's some good stuff in here i am glad that we're revisiting it 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 felt fun because it, I mean, it's only been a couple of years since we've written these, but it does, there, there are some things that I've forgotten. There are some principles that I think I've forgotten and dropped from my life that I think are going to be really helpful going forward. Yeah. So the tagline of the book, I guess, or the summary is the five biggest pain points of postpartum and how to work through them as a married couple. And we have a lot of podcasts on this that are old. We got really into talking about this before Lewis because we were so determined to have a good experience. Yeah. And we had had some pretty downer experiences in our marriage where after the baby, I had emotions, Elisha had emotions, we're both sleep deprived, and it just led to some negative conversations, hmm. us kind of feeling this loss of hope for the future. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about, we tried to evaluate our lives in this moment where we are sleep deprived mm-hmm. and 
it's just like not a good time to yeah. do that. And yet it's so easy to, you know, you add a baby to your life and all of a sudden everything changes and you just think, okay, well, we can't live like this forever. So we've got to make some changes. Right. That's what your instincts tell you for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, don't trust your instincts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At least for a small window there. Um, or I mean, whatever size the window is, just be aware of the fact that you're in an abnormal season. And I think it is the reason Katie and I kind of are, have a, we, we care about the subject is because after our first child, Leon, we, I mean, like you said, we experienced all those things, but I think the thing that troubled us the most was how divisive it, our marriage became. Mm -hmm. And we lost so much unity in our marriage when in reality, this child that we created and that we welcomed into the world should be drawing, hopefully drawing us closer together. You know, we've got this common bond over this child. Uh, and it wasn't even the child's fault. The child didn't divide us. I think, you know, me not knowing and having a realistic expectation as to what you were going to go through emotionally um, and physically after the baby uh, was, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for that. And as a result that, you know, resulted in poor communication between you and I. And, um, and similarly, I don't think you knew how I was going to react to the new responsibility of being a father and of having this very temporary role. It's a, such a temporary role. Um, but it's a role nonetheless of, you know, tending to you in a different way. And I all of a sudden became a different person to you and you became a different person to me. And we really took it out on each other rather than, you know, having a bigger picture and having some objectivity before we got into that emotionally charged situation and knowing we just needed to, to get through that moment in unity and not get too deep, not get too analytical and just get through it. Yeah, exactly. Just get through it. I think there, yeah, like you said, this isn't really talked about that much as far as how, okay, I do think it's talked about the negative, like the negativity surrounding like, oh, once you have kids, it changes your marriage. Mm -hmm. Or once we had a baby, it totally, you know, are, divided us. Yeah. Like you'll hear things like right. that, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yes. And Elisha and I knew it didn't have to be that way, but we didn't know how to stay unified in it. I think a lot of people blame it on the kid or having a baby. And so they just say, put off having kids as long as possible. Kind of like this divisiveness is inevitable. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. You can get good at this experience or it could be a negative experience, whether you're one year into your marriage or six years into your marriage. It doesn't really matter how much you know each other beforehand. I think it's just going to be a change to your marriage mm -hmm. and it's going to throw you off regardless of how long you've known each other or how deep your relationship is. Yeah, because you're each one of you are becoming a different person when that child comes out. You know, if it's your first child, then for the first time in your life, you're now married to a mother you know, of, of your child and you're a father. And so it's like, you're this different person. And if it's your second child, it's like, you're now married to a mother of two and you're the father of two. And so again, that it's not like there's this magic switch that happens and you're a totally different person, but your, your role is different and your title is different and you might even view yourself differently. And so having, I think an expectation that you're going to 
jump back into this. You're going to be in this relationship and you're going to double down on loving your spouse in this new environment and having some practical tools in which you can do that is something that Katie and I really got motivated to do. Yeah. And I will say that it did pay off with Lewis, just having objectivity going into that moment. Our marriage was so much stronger throughout that. Yes. And we still did a lot of stuff that was crazy. You know, we moved three weeks after his birth to a completely new state. Elisha changed jobs. Mm -hmm. Those are two things we suggest you don't do in the book (laughs) right afterwards, uh, right after having a baby. But throughout all that, we were able to maintain unity. Right. And I'm just so grateful for that. And we're really hoping for that this time. Mm -hmm. But it's going to, again, be a different experience because... This time we both work from home. Yes, it is. We we're, there's the, some new variables here. You know, we're having our fourth child, not our third child, and I think that the concepts that it's funny when I think about this, it just it reminds me of how when um, I don't know if I would call postpartum a crisis, but it's like when crisis crises 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 when crises arise when you face a crisis. <laughs> there you go. As a married couple. Uh, I would hope that you're able to draw together. You're able to draw strength from one another and walk even closer together and cling to one another. I think that is one of the blessings of marriage is that you've got this strength that you can draw from the other person and hopefully you're providing strength to your spouse. And so it's such, it's like such a double negative when not only you don't draw strength from your spouse or they're not drawing strength from you and you're not walking in the strength together, but if you become like an adversary during that time, what a disappointment. It's like you're missing out on the to- on, on one of the great blessings of marriage and then you're experiencing this negative thing that in your eyes is like, well, this wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have this negative feeling towards her if she wasn't even doing this, you know, and it's like you become this adversary and I, we want to avoid that under any crisis situation and postpartum is one of those crises, so to speak. I say cri- it sounds like so negative, but it's just a, it's a temporary crisis yeah. that but it's one that's predictable and so and you can plan on it and you, it's kind of scheduled and so it's good to be equipped going into that absolutely and i think especially for women we get a lot of sympathy and empathy and support going through this and sometimes well it's really easy to overlook how much a man's life can change what he goes through and how he can feel like a fish out of water being at home too. It's not like he doesn't want to help, but it can be really hard on because he's, if he's outside of his role and you're kind of outside of your role, it can just lead to like both you feeling unfulfilled. At least that's how. And unappreciated. Yeah, that's the truth. That's how, uh, that's some things we found in our marriage. Okay. So, the first tool, should we jump into these? Sure. We're going to go through is the history reflector. Well, that's not the first tool in the book, but do you want to go through that one first? Well, do you, I thought that's what we were going to do, but we can go through the first tool in the book if you want. The expectation no, let's translator. Go through the, let's go through the history reflector. This is the last tool in the book, but I think it's the one Katie and I want to, want to touch on here. <laughs> okay. So the history reflector, yeah, it's the last one. It's basically saying, hey, Let's look back 2020's hindsight and let's leverage that. Yes. What did we learn from it was, It's been 2000, 2019 is when we had our last child. And so we're trying to reflect on that. 
and see what we can do differently. So the first, so the, the history reflector, you fill out the blank. The blank is, I'd like to make blank better. And so Katie and I would like to make postpartum better. The reason why there is a blank there is because we'll use the history reflector for a lot of different things. Yes. You could do it after a big event, after a road trip, mm-hmm. after a baby, yes. after anything and say, what can we learn in our marriage from this experience? Yes. Yes. So I'll go through, I guess we'll kind of, I'll th- say what I filled out and you can say what you filled out. Does that sound good? Sure. Let's do okay. it. So what worked from, that's one of the categories from Louis's birth. Uh, the first thing I put in there was having your mother there for a few days shortly after Louis was a huge blessing. So I mean, huge. Just, just a tremendous blessing. Not only did she help you, she was a huge support with the new baby, but then she took Leon and Lucy and really was just full time keeping them engaged and entertained. And, you know, she would take them, she would take them away and, and go on walks with them. That was just a huge blessing. Yeah. She was the cook, the cleaner, yes. the babysitter, everything. And I wrote that down too, as something that worked. So mommy, hope you can come. <laughs> now, something that did not work was, and this might sound obvious, but we took trips too soon. We, we went to a wedding like nine days after Louis was born. Elisha was in the wedding. Yeah. So I had all three kids. Thankfully, your family was there. Yes. I remember they right. helped me out a lot. But still, that was just, it was just, we, if we're able to avoid that type of situation, we would like to avoid that and just be content hunkering down and resting and staying in our home for probably as long as possible. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. All right. What, what, what some things that worked for you, Katie? Okay. I'm just, okay. So, I feel like this is kind of confusing to explain when you can't see the diagram. So one column is just what worked and you write down four things that worked. So I put having my mom come too. I put, I ordered Tate and Tate freezer meals from a catering company. Elisha and I typically don't like casseroles. And so we set aside money before to actually purchase some meals from a catering company we knew we loved. Mm-hmm. And had those in the freezer. Yep. Elisha's also not the kind of guy, well, he hasn't been. If I'm like, okay, this is in the fridge, he goes, okay, great. And then I'll load the kids up and take them out to eat. <laughs> like he's not, you will make a meal, but it's not gonna. Yeah. I'm. Katie just caught herself because she knows no. I hate being put in a box. No, I did. I was like, dang it. And she started that sentence by saying, Elisha's not the kind of guy. And she saw it like me tense up like wait what am i okay let's hear it and i'll prove you wrong next week (laughs) it's like i want to reserve the right to change it's (laughs) so true and he's you will make meals for the kids and stuff but i've noticed that your preference tends to be if i'm like okay there's these ingredients in the fridge and you could choose to make the meal with the ingredients Mm -hmm. or go out to eat you're probably going to load the kids up and go yeah. out to eat. Definitely, especially in Bend. We had so many great food choices around Bend, like that were all walking distance from our house. That were, and like a lot of them were really healthy and they were quick, they were tasty. I think it's going to be, I, I already here in, in Coeur d'Alene, I don't, and there's still some great food options, but just not mm-hmm. the same. Like Bend had a lot of those like convenient, healthy, like grab and go places. You yeah, know, like, it did. It which, was- 
they were like really fresh, you know, really well sourced ingredients. And Coeur d'Alene has a lot of really nice restaurants and then just kind of like more fast food. Yeah, and but so, places you aren't going to go like sit down with the kids. Yeah, exactly. Like they have good sit down restaurants. Right, right. Uh, so I think I'll be a little bit less tempted here in Coeur d'Alene is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And then something else I put that worked was getting back to normal, in quotes, sooner than we did with the other kids. I really thrive off routine. And so I think a lot of advice that I got from different women was like rest, like lay in bed one week, two weeks, three weeks, you know, whatever. And for Elisha and I and our dynamic, I prefer when he moves back into his work mode sooner and I get to work, move back into my role because I feel really fulfilled being needed hmm. as a wife or a mother. And I felt like when he was doing everything, I had this kind of like, what am I doing with my life hmm. moment? And I didn't really feel fulfilled in in my life, just laying in bed. Yeah. Well, and even with this, this is a fine line. And I think that you just have to be so in tune with each other because the last thing I want is you jumping back into the flow of life too soon, you know, and yeah. prolonging your healing process and prolonging the postpartum season. And so this is definitely a goal for us. And we both know that, but we, but I, I think that Katie is typically a little bit more ambitious than what I'm comfortable with. And so I feel like you do a good job of at, at least I always feel respected and honored that you hear me out and, you know, you'll, you'll rest a little bit longer than maybe you would prefer. But then we both know that the goal is is to get back to our flow as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think that something that we address in the book is like it would be easier for me and potentially Elisha at some seasons to hire a deep cleaner to come maybe once a week or hire a babysitter for a couple hours a day, a couple times a week, but feel like, okay, Elisha's working. He has somewhat of a schedule. I kind of have a flow. So I'm still being supported, but it's not necessarily me feeling like I'm draining sure. Elisha. Like I don't yeah. like feeling like I'm taking these massive withdrawals. Mm -hmm. Not that that's how you feel giving them, but that's how I feel taking them. That makes sense. And also in times past, I know that the lack of money being made was another stress. Cause it's like, okay, if I'm laying here, not yes. <laughs> doing our businesses and you're sitting, you're not doing our businesses. What's happening to our, nothing's happening with our businesses. You yeah. Know? I tend and, to freak out with that kind of stuff too, especially being self-employed. Mm -hmm. It That's, that's contributed yes. in different seasons. Yeah. So like you said, it, it might be more of a win instead of me being the, the help for a long period of time. Obviously I'm going to help for the, the initial season for sure. But then as soon as it feels right, paying somebody to come, be the, be the support and and then I'm able to go back to work yeah. it's kind of like it's kind of the goal that we're going for this year exactly or this this go around let's go around this year it kind of is like the yearly the yearly model okay so in your column what did not work uh something that did not work for me and again we were so blessed with a, an abundant community in Bend but a downside after the baby was that because of this like over abundant supportive community is that we kind of got overwhelmed by hospitality and by people giving to us. We were, you know, I think after the baby, you're, you're thrashed, you're tired, you want some time. And at first it's like, Oh, people bringing a meal is such a 
true blessing, but I think I needed to communicate more uh, succinctly and more transparently as time went on when people kept, you know, day after day after day, bringing meals, wanting to visit, wanting to see the baby. And I think I should have set boundaries sooner and just been like, oh, thank you so much. But like maybe leave the food on the porch. We need some rest or, you know what, we've got, you know, six days worth of food right now stacked up in the fridge. Um, thank you so much. Do you guys just want to come see the baby in a few weeks and not feel like you need to bring a meal? You know, just find a way to be gracious rather than being more passive in those situations. And we get this is a incredible problem to have. Uh, yeah, it's like you, I feel so dumb even saying it. But, but however, it's it was still, a real it was, yeah. issue. Like I felt really stressed. Elisha felt really stressed. We were just overwhelmed with too much social. Yep. And you just want to be able to relax in your dirty house and not feel like you have to clean up or socialize or try to talk like you're just so tired. Mm -hmm. And that's just how we felt, you know? So it wasn't a lack of gratitude, but it was like, we just need sleep and quiet right now. Yeah. And who knows, maybe this time we'll feel totally lonely and isolated because you know, we have, we do have less friends in Coeur d'Alene than we did in Bend. Yeah. I don't think we'll have that same issue right here. Uh, but it's something to be aware of, to yeah, be aware of. I think so for sure. Uh, I put some things that did not work was we moved to this town home where I don't sleep great with the baby in the room. So I moved the baby out of the room like two weeks postpartum, but it was a long ways away. This room, I had a monitor, but Elisha did not sleep well because you were checking on the baby like every hour. Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, yeah. I like do not have anxiety when it comes to my baby sleeping, but Elisha takes that on for both of us and (laughs) (laughs) takes the night portion of just watching them, making sure they're breathing and stuff. So that was a big stress. Thankfully, we have a different layout in our home here. So we won't be having that issue. Yeah, I think think we're going to have the baby closer by because the way kind of our master bedroom is set up here. Um, Yeah, I think that we'll be able to remedy that. Even today, I got curtains. To just put oh, cool. there. Nice. I'm just going to, once I move the baby, I'm going to move them into the school room. Nice. And we'll just be separated by a curtain. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. That'll be great. Okay. So I, after the categories of what worked and what did not work, we've got this category and it says, what steps, what steps could I take to make this experience more positive and fulfilling? So we're not looking so much in retrospect anymore. We're looking to the future and talking about what changes we can make or what we can do to make the experience more positive. And something I really want to be proactive in is we talked about how much of a blessing it was to get your mother to, or not to get your mother, but how your mother volunteered to come stay with us for a few days. I, if I want to make something like that happen, (laughs) I mean, I really want to be, we've already spoken to some of our, family members and and people are so willing and you know, you don't always know the timing of when the baby's coming. So when it comes, I really want to start kind of going through that list of people that have voiced their willingness to help. And I want to follow up on it. You know, I want to say, Hey, you know, you said you'd be willing to help. Would you mind maybe even taking the kids, you know, taking our three kiddos, uh, maybe even if they're going to your families overnight, you know, maybe they could Mm -hmm. take them back to Montana for a couple of days. Cause I know our kids would be so loved in that environment. They would have a blast. And then you and I would really have an opportunity to just be with each other, to really focus on our new child. 
Um, so that's something that I want to be proactive in, not just wait for it to maybe happen or maybe not happen, but I'm, I'm really willing and eager to make those asks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. As far as what steps I feel I could take to make this experience more positive and fulfilling is resting. I do think that's important. And then letting stuff go, hmm. knowing that we are provided for, it's okay if, you know, something that was on my to-do list does not get done in yeah. the right deadline yeah, or the, the right podcast time doesn't get out. Yeah. Exactly. Like stuff like that mm-hmm. could really stress me out. Yeah. And so I need to make a conscious effort before to be like, you know what, bigger picture, mm-hmm. you guys will still be there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should ask them. Maybe this is a big deal. Yeah. They're like, no, that better happen. Okay. So what's the, the, so I just asked what's one thing I could do to make the experience better and then I got to write down what's something that Katie could do that I think would make the experience better. And mm-hmm. so I wrote something that she just said, and that was, you know, don't stress about money and, and work. Don't stress about money and our businesses. Um, I think that that's something I want to feel the responsibility and the weight of that. And I don't want you to feel the responsibility or the weight of that. And so I know it'd be a huge blessing to me. And I think to our home, if you truly just, we're so focused on the baby, so focused on your health and your rest and really just being fully present in that moment. It doesn't mean we can't talk about work. You can't talk about money, but I don't want you to feel any of the burden or the stress. I'll take, I'll take care of it. I'm making that commitment right now. Okay. The, the power will still be on, uh, when, we're, when we get out of the postpartum season. And that's the thing you always do. It's a ridiculous fear that I have. Yeah. So that's like my, the one thing I think that is I would just love from you is if you truly let go of that, you know, and just really got ensconced in in the moment of being a mommy. Yeah, that's good. See, that's good to know. Like before going into this, knowing your own tendencies and then knowing what your spouse wants from you. Hmm. Something that I said Elisha could do to make this experience more positive and fulfilling is to sleep when he can sleep. Hmm. In the past, Elisha's actually had more has had a harder time sleeping than I have just because mm. he's a lighter sleeper. So I think the baby wakes him up and just all the change. And then the other thing I put down was not to plan, evaluate, or analyze our <laughs> life. So oh, Elisha's a thinker and he loves moments like these no. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, I'm 30. What's my life? Or I'm a dad of four what's our life look like and just really evaluate what he thought his life would look like now or the future or the man he wants to become and like i'm not reaching my goals and it's like well yeah because we're sleeping like an hour a night yeah that is it's so not fair to the family to put them through the roller coaster that i've put them through in these postpartum seasons because it's inevitable that in the, the maybe six to 12 to 18 not 18 no, yeah, six to twelve to eighteen week period. Eighteen fa- weeks. I don't know. I, I'm just that throwing numbers out there. Long well, time. just hear me out. You don't even you don't even know where I'm getting to yet. Okay. <laughs> but in the in the season following the baby, you know, it's inevitable that I'm going to get knocked off my workout routine, or our businesses might not see the same growth that they saw in the quarter prior to the baby coming or what, whatever it is. I might not be reading, might not be in God's word as much as I was because of the cattywampus schedule that comes with a, with a new baby. And 
when I'm in the midst of that, I've just decided that that's who I am. I think, boy, I am such a slacker when it comes to my studying of God's word or my exercising or providing for the family rather than seeing it for what it is. And it's just a snapshot of a, it's just a fleeting moment. And it's not who you are. It's not how you've, how you're always going to behave or how you have been behaving, you know, for the years leading up to this. And so, yeah, I've gotten pretty, I've gone down some negative thought patterns in the previous postpartum seasons that's brought the whole family sink into the bottom of the ocean. And I'm very committed to not doing that this time. Well, it's hard to see, like, because it's easier to see in someone else's life. And I see the man Elisha is, and I'm like, it's just been a week, you know. We'll get back on the horse. (laughs) Like, this is not who you are uh, as far as, you know, your day in and day out life and routine, Mm. like you said. So that's hard to see when you don't want your spouse believing those things about themselves. Mm -hmm. And so it, I think it would lead to stress and angst in, in yes. my life. Well, th- I mean, I'm grateful that you put that on there as a reminder. And I, I'm hope, and hopefully I won't have to be reminded anymore. But I'm not saying I won't need to be reminded again because of how prone I am to being over-analytical and introspective in during those types of seasons. Yeah, I, I do love how you think so much, though. <laughs> I think Usually, it's good yeah. for our family. Yeah, overall, just not in those seasons. It's like, just don't think. Just, yes. <laughs> yes. just act. Okay, so that's the history reflector. And let's just run through real quickly the expectation translator. Okay. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, so we'll just, we haven't written down. The history reflector we both filled out separately. And the expectation translator, we encourage people to fill out one with your overall vision for postpartum. And then we kind of go through different areas of life after baby, like your sex life. Um, You know, what are your expectations there? Elisha and I feel like we kind of get that. I mean, we've we've done that enough, (laughs) gone through that experience. Um, Let's see, what's another category? Sleep and fatigue. Let's go through this tool again, the expectation translator. Yes, we definitely will need to go. I think we should go through for, you know, I don't think you can take any of these categories for granted. So I'd like to go through. I just like, we are definitely going through the sex category (laughs) again. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know what my expectations are, woman. (laughs) I just think that it's, I don't know what my expectations are. I feel like it's you, you're when I go through these, I'm doing it for myself. It's like, you're asking yourself these questions that you hadn't thought to ask yourself and, and you're forming what your expectations are because we, so often we, we have expectations without even realizing it and they're unspoken. And if they're unspoken then they're most likely not going to be met, your expectations are going to go unmet. And so asking yourself these questions, I feel like is the first benefit and then being able to discuss these questions with your spouse is like the second benefit. <laughs> That's awesome to hear because I love I love the idea of going through all these things with mm-hmm. you. I didn't know if you'd want to, so I was kind of like, okay, maybe we could do the spark notes version, like the mm-hmm. overview. I love that though. Okay, so for our listeners, if you don't have the After the Baby books, then I'm just going to go ahead and read through these questions that are in the expectation translator, and you guys can ask them of yourselves at any point. Again, this isn't just a tool that we use postpartum. Well, it could be used for any category yes. in your marriage going into a big event. Yep. Instead of the history reflector where we're trying to learn from something, we're going 
Elisha and I have used this like going over to his family's house. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what are your expectations right. for this? Like yeah. whatever's been maybe a sticky situation or something you just want to get better at. Yes. So the first question is, what is your goal? So you kind of just want to talk through your goal of whatever event you're going to. The next question is, what does the ideal outcome look mm-hmm. like? So if everything goes well, what would that look like? And then the third question is, what does the worst case scenario look like? So basically, if if all if we don't really work through this, then what it what ends up happening? Yeah. So those are the three questions you ask, and then there's five kind of like follow up questions after that. And you say, what are five things you want to be true of this experience? And so you kind of went through the goal, you went through the ideal outcome, you went through the worst case scenario, but now you get five like additional subjects to put in here as to what you want to be true to this situation. Um, and I love this too, because then you get to start getting a little bit more particular. You know, it's not just the big picture. You can say, what's a specific thing you want to see occur throughout this event? Yeah, so s- some things that I just wrote in here as examples that are in the book for the postpartum experience are I want to exclusively breastfeed. I want to stay in bed with nothing on the agenda for seven days. Mm -hmm. That's very specific. I want my mom to come help. (laughs) I want to get up at nights with the baby and have Elisha take the kids in the morning. And the fifth thing I wanted to be true of postpartum is I wanted to start transitioning back into normal life as soon as possible. Hmm. So that gives you kind of an idea of how we use the tool yeah, and it sounds like we get to go through all these categories again, which will be really cool because marriage is always shifting and changing. Mm. And it's not like once you learn something, it's just a box checked because you're just changing people. Yes. I had that realization once again, I think I, you know, Katie and I talk about different married couples that we look up to and we admire and we saw one of them recently and it reminded me of how, healthy marriages never stop working on their marriage. And that's so inspiring to me. And it's such, and it's also convicting to me because it's, we're so prone to getting into like a coast mode. That's just, we're naturally going to do that. We're naturally going to think we're fine or, well, we're doing, you know, we don't need a marriage conference. We don't need to go through a marriage workbook. And that's the idea. You don't want to go to a marriage conference when you need a marriage conference or when you feel like you need a marriage conference and you don't want to go through the workbook when you're in a dire situation trying to fix fix it. And, and healthy marriages just added discipline and out of habit are proactively working on their marriage before the crisis comes, ideally, you know, and before there's big turmoil and big conflict. And I'm just reminded of that again, even going through this book with our marriage. I'm like, oh gosh, like I never want to take this for granted. I want to continually be on the forefront of fighting for our marriage out in front of the, of the problems. Mm. Well, I'm just, I'm just a smiling wife (laughs) to hear that. Well, I I feel like I'm more convicted than anything because, well, yeah, I'm just motivated to work on our marriage. What? Do you think we have a lot of problems? Well, no, but this is kind of embarrassing to admit this, but we, we paid for an online marriage course like two and a half months ago. And I think it's 12, uh, yeah, 12 modules. And we went through the first module two and a half months ago. And then we just, for, we, I just totally forgot it existed. And so I, that's why I was like going to bring it up. And I was embarrassed to bring it up. And then I brought it up anyways. Um, 
but here you go. There's some accountability. We need to continue through that marriage course. <laughs> we do. It's all, it is hard sometimes to do those things because it brings up, if you if you really go into something wanting to better your marriage, then it's going to probably bring up some things that you didn't even know were there mm-hmm. that are there. Yes. And that's the beauty of it is yep. that you can dig out these issues that you didn't even think were issues before they become huge. Yes, because they will become a big deal if you don't address it. Yeah, but it's also hard to pick a time. Right. Like even the last time, like our marriage has been in a good place, but when we when we watched that, yeah, it was, it was in a good place. Right. But then we got to the end and it was kind of like, oh man, like I'm falling short in these areas and I need to grow this way. It was kind of uncomfortable at the end. Yeah. And I feel like we both kind of needed a little break. Yeah. But it's so it's so healthy. Yes. I'm excited to finish that out. And then we'll tell you folks what it what course it is and we'll tell you our thoughts on it. Our takeaways. Our takeaways. You guys, thank you for listening this week. Be playing be please okay, let me try that. I can do this. <laughs> please be praying for our baby and for Katie. We would love a healthy labor and delivery as we mentioned at the uh, you know at the beginning the baby's not in a good position now and so we would love for um you know the baby to just naturally get into a good position so that we can have a good smooth labor and delivery so we we would love your prayers mm-hmm. and we look forward to talking to you next week bye-bye bye bye